Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by the United Ways of Chautauqua County. United Way is a nonprofit organization with a mission to mobilize the community to help every person and family improve their lives. Last year, their Volunteer Income Tax Assistance, or VITA program, helped 1,400 households file their taxes for free. This year, the expanded child tax credit is available to Chautauqua County households with children, even if they don't normally file taxes or have a recent income. Nearly every parent or caregiver of a child with a Social Security number can receive up to $3,600 per child, and it's not too late. Learn more at getctc.org chq. It only takes about 15 minutes online to claim the child tax credit and learn about eligibility. The United Ways of Chautauqua County, proud supporters of community radio in Jamestown, New York. To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWayNCC.org. The City of Jamestown is getting ready to update housing ordinances as well as do the first update of its comprehensive plan and zoning code since the late 1990s. We sat down with Mayor Eddie Sunquist to learn more. Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist joins us in the WRFA studios this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Julia. You're welcome. So uh, last week you were in Buffalo along with uh, a lot of other elected officials for a visit by uh, U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. And she was uh, in, in the area, in the region, to talk about some more infrastructure bill stuff. So what what did she talk about that would be of interest to Jamestown? So... W- Kirsten uh, Gillibrand, Senator Gillibrand, uh, joined us in Buffalo to talk about the federal government's new lead pipe replacement program. Uh, So Mayor Rosas from Dunkirk, uh, as well as the county executive, PJ Wendell, uh, we were all invited to a roundtable discussion with other uh, mayors and executives across Western New York uh, to talk about this funding source, this uh, multi-billion dollar funding source for the replacement of lead pipes uh, across New York State as well as the federal government. So is there a real issue with lead pipes in Jamestown? I haven't heard a lot about that. Is this something that's more like on a home-by-home home basis? Yeah, that's a great question. So most of the lead pipes within the city of Jamestown were removed over the years. And in some cases, we actually used wooden piping uh, to, to transport water. Most of those have been removed too. Uh, but one of the biggest things that we're looking at now as a city is what about lead pipes going into someone's home? Right, Those are the types of things that uh, we don't typically test depending on how old your home is. We know what pipes are there in, uh, throughout our service area and kind of what types of pipes we have running your water. But once it hits your home, we're not quite sure what type of pipe you have in your home. Hmm. Uh, so one of the discussions that uh, I brought up and raised to Senator Gillibrand was the need for this funding to help us go and assist homeowners in testing their lead pipes or testing their pipes to see if they are still lead water pipes going into their home and ensuring that there is funding uh, for those homeowners to not have to pay a dime to replace those type of lead pipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've uh, heard a lot about infrastructure on, on a more, you know, municipal level for, you know, for municipalities to do either sewer work or or infrastructure work, but not necessarily for the homeowners. And the funny thing is, I think even I think some of those those wood pipes that you refer to, I think have been even replaced in the last 20 years in, in Jamestown. Sure, I think yeah. one of them was 
if I'm, if I'm trying to remember right, might have been one of the water breaks that was around North Main Street and then one of the numbered streets. And I can't think of which one, maybe the one by Second Street. And this was more than a number of years ago, but I remember hearing that it was a wood pipe and my mind was blown because I didn't even know that that was possible, that they still would have wood pipes. But yeah, so as you said, most of these have been replaced in the city, thankfully. So that was, so obviously with the infrastructure bill, it sounds like we're still, we're in the, well, this is what the money can do for you, but still no clear direction from the federal government as, and here are the exact programs municipalities and the states can apply for. Well, certainly I raised the concern with Senator Gillibrand uh, with amongst the many of the mayors, which is there's a lot involved to applying for an application for the replacement of lead pipes for the federal government. And for many communities, this is very difficult uh, to put something together in such a short amount of time. The application deadline is something like early October, uh, and they want a fully produced uh, plan of what you're going to do with the funding and how you're going to test the pipes and which pipes you've identified. And for many communities, uh, including Jamestown and Dunkirk, it's, it's hard to put that together. We don't have the resources or the staff. Uh, so one of the really great things coming from that roundtable is uh, we raise the concern that we want to be able to do a regional application or for municipalities uh, to work together to apply. Uh, and it's something the senator really agreed with uh, and believed it would be a great thing to make a stronger application for more federal funding for Western New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that kind of executive has raised over time and time again is that it's hard for Chautauqua County with, you know, 130 some thousand people to apply for funding when you're up against downstate program communities with much larger population with much bigger infrastructure projects. Uh, and and so, yeah, doing a regional, I can see where a regional application would give some more heft and weight you know where you could get more done in a bigger region area than just saying okay we're just going to do this in one county downstate we're certainly looking at that and we want to leverage our resources so uh, all in all that round table was a really great experience for us to connect with other municipalities uh, across the area to say let's work together to make this happen so we're going to try to work through that understand uh, there really is unfortunately no funding for one agency to kind of put those things together Uh, I think one of the recommendations from the senator was for us to all pool our funds to get someone to write the grant. Uh, And I also raised an issue with that. But I I think overall, we'll find the resources to ensure that all of our communities are, are safe and free from lead pipe. Excellent. Moving on to uh, staying on the topic of housing, but moving more locally. Uh, Last month, there were three new ordinances that were brought before a Jamestown City Council that they're going to continue to review this month. And these are ordinances related to rental inspection, vacant property registration, and public nuisances. Can you tell us more about what is being proposed here? Absolutely. First uh, first things first, if you have multiple ordinances, are they ordinances or ordinai? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's kind of like mice. Yeah, and Mises. Is it Mises? Mises? Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so certainly the city is putting forth some uh, really substantial housing reform changes uh, that are that have gone up and now been presented to the housing uh, committee at city council, uh, and will be engaging the public as well as uh, others about how do we deal with housing in the city. Uh, it's very clear that what we've done for the last uh, you know, decade or more has not been producing what we've wanted to do, which is quality housing uh, here in the city of Jamestown. We have a lot of affordable housing. We have a lot of cheap housing, but it is substandard. 
It has not been taken care of. And more than 50% of our housing stock is non-owner occupied. So in many cases, landlord owned uh, and people from out of state that just are not investing in the properties here. So we proposed several ordinances, uh, one uh, to create a registry of vacant buildings, uh, which is what we're kind of really concerned about because you have a vacant uh, home on your street, you have the chance for infestation, you have the chance for squatters, you have a chance for a lot of issues. And so we wanna know where those homes are. Uh, the second ordinance that we're looking at is a rental inspection law. And now this is, I wanna be very clear about this one. It's a little unique. Instead of us always inspecting properties every couple of years or every year, uh, the, the ordinance as it's written uh, requires an inspection when you transfer the property. So you buy it, you sell it, you transfer to someone. Basically, there's a new deed, new owner on the property. And we're doing this very for a very specific reason. Because if you are a new owner, even a new landlord trying to purchase a property, you should be aware of all of the issues that come with that property and whether the city will even give you a certificate of occupancy uh, for renting out that property or using that property. So we wanna make sure that there is a way that we work with folks who are purchasing homes to figure out, hey, will I even be able to rent it, right? Or what are the deficiencies in that home before I buy it? Uh, and it also helps the banks to try to mortgage it and, and other properties uh, and other things. Um, and then we also are working on a, a few uh, other ordinances along the way, really just to ensure uh, that we have a, a better handle on homes here in the city and we get a better handle on housing. Mm -hmm. And for if you're listening to this and you have questions about um, the ordinances there, I believe that probably they'll be discussed at the work session. It's coming up on uh, August 8th again is that do you figure? that'll be yep, that'll be the next work session we'll have the vacant property ordinance the uh, public nuisance ordinance uh, which allows us to uh, be able to condemn homes that have become habitual uh, users of our police and fire services um, mostly that have a, a criminal offenses uh, that are continue to be called to the homes as well as rental ordinance uh, registration Okay. And uh, and also I'll put a plug in for, if, and if you want to ask questions about these programs, uh, and if you don't hear those, uh, your question answered in the community conversation that's being held on Thursday, August 11th, uh, we will be talking part two, housing with uh, Director of Development, Crystal Surdick and Land Bank Director, uh, Gina Parody. So uh, tune into community conversations at 6 p.m. on Thursday, August 11th. So, but moving on from my own personal plug there for my own program, uh, we're going to stay on talking with homes, housing, but on a different level. And I, I missed this, this work session. I actually tuned in very briefly onto the live stream and, and heard you giving uh, in your mayor's remarks comments about homelessness in Jamestown at the July work session. And that issue also came up in our community conversation we held in July on housing in regards to the increased number of people who are currently homeless in the county. So what is the situation in Jamestown right now? Well, homelessness is not lost on me. And it during the summer months, it is it is very clear and very evident. A little harder during the winter time as, as folks find other locations and uh, other temporary housing is available. But what we are seeing right now in the city really is an uptick in homelessness. Uh, other individuals that are moving into the city or um, residing in the city, uh, making this their temporary home. And we started just to see more people use our parks uh, to sleep overnight, uh, more areas of the city being utilized. 
Uh, we also saw an increase in our, our beat patrols, our, our officer uh, walking patrols uh, of more folks that are without a place to, to live, uh, haven't connected with a shelter, haven't connected with services. So we're, I'm very cognizant of it. And one of the things that we wanted to do was quickly engage the county's uh, homelessness coalition. Uh, so we'll be having a special meeting of the homelessness coalition uh, in short order uh, just to address the issues that we're seeing in Jamestown to better understand all the resources that are available for folks. There's a lot out there and a lot of people don't realize it, but we need to get those resources in the hands of the people that need it in order to get them wherever they need to be whether that's some type of shelter, some type of temporary housing. Uh, in some cases, I've talked to some families that just don't have the funds to you know, purchase a, a bus ticket or a plane ticket back to you know, wherever they now call home. Uh, and those are resources that are already available and we need to be able to get that into their hands and, and help the folks that are there. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're working, we're working through that. We wanna work with the organizations that already exist uh, to, to deal with this. Uh, but we also want to make sure that we are uh, providing for the needs of, of our residents, no matter where they're living. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, in, in terms of it, it can, people's concerns, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you have people staying overnight in parks. Is this cause any concern in terms of public safety for anybody? Or is this just a situation where just leave someone alone if you see them there? Well, certainly we, we would encourage you to um, give the non-emergency number for the police department a call, let them know, if, especially if they're not disturbing anyone. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly take care of them, try to provide them uh, resources and the services they need. All of our police officers actually now have resource lists that they keep on them uh, that they can provide for folks. Uh, they know who to call if, uh, if someone is uh, in need of shelter uh, for the evening. Uh, again, in the winter months, it's a little different. There's a, there's additional sheltering that happens when it uh, gets cold out. Summer months are a little harder uh, to to deal with. Our shelters are fairly full, and uh, it's becoming a, a challenge. So you know, certainly we encourage the public if they do see someone uh, you know kind of camping in the parks or whatnot, give the non-emergency number for the city police department a call, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there and make sure that the folks there get the services they need. Mm -hmm. From what I'm hearing kind of colloquially is that this is going back to the the one ordinance being proposed about vacant property registration. I'm, her, I'm understanding that in a lot of cases that if there is a vacant property that some people who are homeless are using that in the colder months to squat, as they say, you know, they can get in. They know that it's someplace that's sheltered, that maybe no one's been there for a few months. And so that goes hand in hand, those two problems, it sounds like. We're certainly seeing that in the winter months. And I think it's important for us to know when those properties uh, or if those properties do become vacant, especially vacant for a long period of time. You know, the ordinance is not only allowing us to better understand where the vacant properties are, uh, but it's also to discourage people from keeping properties vacant, right? Uh, you know, if you're a, a snowbird and you're going down to Florida, you're going other places, we understand that the, re the ordinance actually addresses that, but we have people that are leaving properties vacant for three, four, five years. And when it sits, it's sitting with the grass unmowed, it's sitting with windows broken in, it's sitting with uh, you know people potentially squatting. Those are the types of things that completely change a neighborhood from one that is vibrant and willing to help and support and the neighbors know each other to you know that house that's the blight on the street. And those are things that we as the city want to address. Mm -hmm. 
Moving forward with um, zoning. So city council approved funding to update the zoning code, which you've said will be done alongside the update of the city's comprehensive plan. So is there any kind of specific updates that you're looking at doing to the zoning code? Or is that something that is still going to be laid out that to figure out? That's a great question. So uh, do you know where you were in the 1960s? I wasn't alive. Okay, I wasn't either, but that's when we created our zoning code. Uh, so the zoning code really has been updated just a little bit at a time since the 1960s. And clearly we've changed the types of businesses we've had since then, the types of homes uh, and the types of locations. So when we look at the city and we're in the process of engaging a new comprehensive plan, uh, so determining where does the city going to go in the next 5 to 10, even 20 years, typically we'll also do that with a zoning code update. So we are now seeing more residential facilities in commercial areas. We're seeing pop-up commercial in some residential areas. It's time for us now to engage the community to better understand how should we zone and where should certain uh, types of businesses uh, be versus residential areas. And should we encourage more of the mom and pop stores on your corner, right? Uh, those were here a long time ago and have gone away. Uh, and it's time for us to update it, right? Uh, with the zoning code from the 60s, uh, things have changed a lot. And we want to make sure that we as a city adapt to changes as well. How is it, do you uh, envision this going forward? Is it something that's going to be contracted out or is it going to be done in-house? Or It'll, It will most likely be contracted out. Uh, we've already uh, talked to uh, some various agencies that perform this work. A lot of communities that under engage this usually use a, a, a planning firm that comes in, does a lot of the public engagement, helps uh, rewrite some of the code. Uh, you'll, you'll notice that the city of Buffalo just underwent this several years ago. Uh, they created what was called the Green Code. Right, and they completely revitalized how they looked at uh, zoning in their neighborhoods and in their communities. And instead of us with just instead of us prescribing uh, that you know this certain area has can only do X, Y, and Z, uh, a new code and more modern code will talk about the character of neighborhoods, right, and the types of businesses that you want in that neighborhood, and provides a little more flexibility uh, for uh, for zoning in a community. Mm-hmm. Well, this is something, if, assuming that you do go with a contractor, would they kind of develop it themselves or they, would they have public input that is part of that? Oh, it is It is all public input driven. So they work with the planning commission. They work with the zoning board of appeals. Uh, they work with the community. They work with everyone around uh, and they create these public sessions typically uh, that talks about in your neighborhood, what type of things would you like to see? and to try to understand the character of that neighborhood. Uh, And has it been predominantly commercial? Has it been more residential? What other areas, what other things would you like to see in it? And so that's what they use, that public input to shape the code. Mm -hmm. Are you willing to confirm or deny uh, the uh, issue of farm and agriculture in city of Jamestown <laughs> as an update to the to the city code. Well, uh, you know, I don't need to confirm or deny anything. I've been very clear that I, I very much support uh, gardens. I very much support uh, some type of uh, urban farming uh, in er- various areas of the city. Uh, that's been a, a huge, I've been a huge supporter of that. We've worked with, for example, the public market uh, to shape some of that, uh, that legislation. And I think we need to do more. Um, I'm not yet convinced that we need to have chickens or roosters uh, here in the city. So some livestock, some farm animals, uh, we may need to have some more discussion on with the public. 
but certainly urban farming has uh, shown to be highly successful in many communities and many cities. Uh, and I would 100% support that here in the city. Excellent. Is there any kind of time frame or is it just more of a now that you've had the monies approved, you got to go out to for an RFP or? So we'll have to go out for an RFP. This is a little more complicated because a, a portion of the money has been funded by New York State. So the city won a grant for just under $100,000 to perform a comprehensive uh, plan update. And so typically you do those things together. So we combine that with federal funding uh, through the rescue plan funds that has been allocated. Uh, and we now have a complete update of our comprehensive plan and our zoning for the city. Okay. So uh, another thing that was um, moving forward with uh, after the city council meeting last month is uh, this vision st- zero strategy plan, which another thing I miss hearing more of a presentation on, but you've talked about how this vision, the zero strategy is going to work in hand in hand with the complete streets. And I realize I know what that is, but what does that mean for <laughs> the average driver or pedestrian yeah. or bicyclist or whatever have you? Yeah. So vision zero is a, is the idea that we can uh, reduce fatalities to zero uh, within a period of time. Uh, in our case, within 10 years, you know, we are seeing uh, more fatalities uh, on the roads and it's really a function of us and of of how we as a city design our streets. You know, we we really created streets to move cars, right? Uh, but the reality is, our streets, our walkways, our thoroughfares should be more about uh, moving people than moving cars. So whether it's cars, bicyclists, scooters, e-bikes, pedestrians. When we're looking at each street, we need to design it and change it to ensure that we are maximizing the ability to use multimodal transport on each of those streets. Uh, So the idea for us is not only complete redesign of streets as we go forward and sidewalks and thoroughfares, but also educating people that are driving, people that are biking, uh, on looking out for what's going on around you and how you can prevent uh, any type of accident or fatality uh, using your uh, your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Is there any uh, project that's currently going on or has recently uh, been completed that where you can say, okay, here's an example of how we put the complete streets plan into place? You know, we're, we're working through that now. We actually uh, just uh, found out that utilizing both state and federal funding, we're able to do complete street redesigns. So many times the city doesn't do a complete street redesign. It just simply repaves. Uh, And so we're starting to change the way we look at streets now and say, well, maybe we should use the funding to do a complete redesign, changing the sidewalks, changing the curbing, adding in specifically designed bike lanes, right? So those are the things that we are starting to look at going forward. Uh, But what we're really trying to do first off is create that vision zero plan uh, because it does provide additional federal funding that helps us to do this. The state funding is great. Local funding is also great, uh, but in order to to redesign streets, it does cost a lot. And uh, with a Vision Zero plan, the federal uh, federal government is willing to fund a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Great. Is there uh, anything else that you'd like to update us on? Uh, you know, just that I, I think the last time I spoke to you, we were talking about it was been a busy summer. It continues on. Uh, you know, we have the uh, the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival, National Comedy Center events going on uh, this weekend. Uh, So it's going to bring a lot of people into downtown Jamestown, and we're just excited uh, to be able to show off all the work we've been doing here in the city uh, for everyone else. Okay, Mayor Sunquist, thank you so much for being here with us. Thanks for having me.